Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. There are plenty of things to think about when you're planning on having a family. What you eat, how you exercise, what medication you're taking. Sometimes the medication you're taking is paramount to keeping you on an even keel mentally. And coming off that medication is not attractive or even in some cases advisable. So what do you do if you're on medication for your mental health and you want to fall pregnant? Nicole Hyatt is the founder and executive director of the Centre of Perinatal Excellence, or COPE. Hi, Nicole. How are you? Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Let's start with antidepressants. Do you need to go off antidepressants if you're attempting to fall pregnant or you are actually pregnant? Mm. Look, it's a, it's a great question. And we know that conditions like anxiety and depression are very, very common. So in pregnancy, for example, we know that uh, up to one in five women will experience anxiety and depression, uh, anxiety in pregnancy. And um, this, incre- this also exists in the postnatal period. So we've got to consider the role of medication. Uh, not only on pregnancy and the developing baby, but also when breastfeeding in the postnatal period. Also, um, we've got depression, which is very common in pregnancy. Up to one in 10 women will experience depression in pregnancy. And this increases to one in seven in the postnatal period. So for some people, they will develop these conditions during pregnancy, sometimes for the first time, or quite often if you've had a previous history of these conditions, you're more likely to relapse or uh, the, the symptoms coming back in pregnancy or the postnatal period. Uh, but if you are already on medication for these conditions, uh, certainly with when it comes to anxiety and depression, the most common treatments are obviously antidepressants, which are Despite the name antidepressants, you think it's just for depression. It's actually also indicated for anxiety. And there are a couple of types of antidepressants. Uh, the most commonly and recommended ones are what we call SSRIs or serotonin, selected serotonin reuptake inhibitors is their formal name. Um, and these are known to be able to be safely used in pregnancy and also when breastfeeding in the postnatal period. So these would be uh, sort of the frontline or first-line treatment. Uh, it's very, very important that people talk to their health professional if they are already on medication, and that's any type of medication for physical or mental health conditions. Um But it's also very important not to come off your medication, particularly quickly. Um, And this is what a lot of people think. They think, I've got to make the most safe environment for my baby, so I'm going to come off my medication. And this can have very negative implications for the mother. Uh, So it's very important to talk to your health professional. But also we have a load of website information about the safe use of medication. And this is obviously all informed by the Australian National Clinical Practice Guidelines, which were just redone recently, uh, looking at the safety of medications and certainly SSRIs are safe. And uh, another class of medication or antidepressants um, is what we call TCAs. Um, And they're also known to be able to be safely used in pregnancy. Um, But so, yeah, it's really about talking to your health professional, not coming off without having the advice of the health professional. Um, And um, yeah, being precautious about, uh, you know, mental health conditions, just like looking at medication reviews around physical health conditions. Do we know why um, during pregnancy your mental health might have a relapse or you might be more prone to certain conditions? 
Personally, I know I took a mental health check when I was pregnant with my first child and I measured for depression and anxiety where anxiety was something I'd always had, depression I'd never had. Mm -hmm. And part of me felt like because I had that test in the first three months and I was terribly, terribly morning sick, Mm -hmm. of course I was depressed. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Is it that sort of thing that is triggering depression and anxiety in women, the the changes that are happening to their body physically, or is it something chemically in our brains that can happen when we fall pregnant? Um, Look, having a baby is a really significant life event and it impacts on all aspects of you. Um, When we talk about these conditions in what we call the perinatal period, so pregnancy and the first year of motherhood, we talk about a biopsychosocial model. So it's biological factors, uh, psychological factors and social factors. All these things are open to upheaval or change when having a baby. So um, so because of this change and the different factors on all of these levels, um, we are at greater risk of having that relapse. Certainly conditions like severe morning sickness can obviously impact greatly on your quality of life, your feelings of control, perhaps even your feelings towards the pregnancy. And if this goes on and isn't managed or treated, of course, it can impact on your emotional and mental health. Uh, it's great that you happen to live in New South Wales and actually got that screening um, and assessment to identify that there may be relapsing or existing anxiety or depression symptoms. Uh, unfortunately, in many states of Australia, women are not being screened in pregnancy. And so these conditions are continuing through the pregnancy and obviously then impacting on the birth experience, leading to poorer outcomes at birth and progressing into more severe illnesses in the postnatal period. And that's why using the opportunity when asked those questions in pregnancy to identify and treat and manage them as early as possible before the baby arrives, because of course, then you've got another whole set of challenges, potentially sleep deprivation, unsettled baby. And of course, all those things then compound your mental health conditions that you may already experiencing symptoms of. We'll be back with Nicole Hyatt from COPE right after this. When you become a parent, you enter an exclusive club, one that only other parents can truly understand. I spent a lot of time running and yelling names. Come back, get back here. But I bought him one of those backpacks that had a lead, like, you yeah. know, a monkey one. Because it doesn't look as bad. Yeah, like a disguise. <laughs> the Parent Panel is a weekly podcast that invites adults to ponder the big questions of looking after small children with more than a bit of humour mixed in. Join us for The Parent Panel wherever you get your podcasts. So we're talking there about uh, antidepressants, um, treating anxiety and depression. Um, just as an aside before we go on, what do we have any um, research or understanding about men and their mental health whilst trying to fall pregnant? So is there any research about saying that they should stop taking medication? Because people do get really kind of fixated on how they need to be physically Mm -hmm. and mentally when they're trying to fall pregnant, especially if it doesn't happen straight away. Yes. Is there any evidence that men need to come off those sorts of medications? No, there's not. Um, And in fact, uh, if a man is on taking, say, SSRIs or whatever those medications might be for these conditions, um, it's obviously an important part of their functioning and being able to manage from day to day and managing their symptoms. So coming off these conditions, again, might make them more susceptible to relapse. Uh, So it's, again, similarly to women, it's very important to talk to your health professional, but we certainly wouldn't advise just coming off these medications because it's actually going to impact on your quality of life ability to function, um, particularly at a time when you're trying to create a family and put more stress and pressure on you and potentially make things worse. 
So moving on from depression and anxiety, let's talk about um, some other mental illnesses that require a different set of drugs that we know as antipsychotics. What if you have bipolar one or two? Does mm-hmm. it make a difference in terms of what you can um, take while trying to fall pregnant or while being pregnant? What is the difference between bipolar one or two mm-hmm. and two? Because I don't even know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, um, with these more severe mental illnesses, so unlike depression and anxiety, which um, may relapse or come and go, or you might experience it for the first time in pregnancy, uh, conditions like bipolar disorder, um, these conditions pop- often people have lived with and known that they have them, and it's a condition you live with, and you need to learn to manage your illness, um, and that's all part part of it. So people generally before pregnancy uh, know that they have bipolar disorder. They've already got a diagnosis. So again, this is where it's very important to be talking with your health professional. And here we would, I would certainly recommend talking beyond uh, maybe a GP, talking with your psychiatrist or specialist, uh, health professional about the use of different medications. So and do they, I mean, my first question with that would be, um, are psychiatrists trained to understand the impact of medication on pregnancy and I mean saying that it sounds obvious that they would but I guess you think I'm going with them to help me with my mind not my body or falling pregnant Mm -hmm. so are they specifically trained to help women through that? Uh, Well, some psychiatrists specialise in perinatal mental health and they'll be called perinatal psychiatrists. So they obviously have a specialist interest and uh, this is the whole reason why COPE develops the national guidelines to really guide health professionals in best practice. So as part of that, we reviewed all the literature around what is the safety profile of these medications, what is safe to use in pregnancy and breastfeeding. Um, And uh, it's these guidelines which then inform not only and obviously we have expert reference groups with all the top leading psychiatrists uh, around these issues to discuss medications. Uh, so we actually had in developing the national guidelines two expert subcommittees made up of perinatal psychiatrists. Uh, we had one which focused um, particularly on um, management of medication around the safety. And one of the challenges, I suppose, here is with medications, you can't do randomised control trials or do trials to see if a medication is safe with an unborn baby. That would actually be, of course, unethical. So this is where you have expert advisory groups to really look at clinical practice and and what research evidence there is uh, out there in order to produce these guidelines to help other health professionals advise and also empower patients with information about what is known to be safe and what isn't. So in some of these areas, there's it's not that it's a case that we don't know because there hasn't been trials. Um, but we certainly know from clinical experience some medications which are safe um, or appear to be safe and do not appear to be safe and which ones we would recommend. So would that mean potentially if you have bipolar disorder and you've been um, on a type of medication but you're thinking of falling pregnant, that you go to your psychiatrist and say, I want to fall pregnant, they go, okay, you're not on the medication that is safe for pregnancy let's try this one and see how you go. Absolutely. So before you're even in that pre-pregnancy phase when you're contemplating pregnancy, it's very, very important to have that discussion early um, and get your condition stabilised on the safest medication before you embark on that next challenge of uh, actually having a baby. So there's a number of different types of medications that might be used um, with bipolar disorder, for example. And are they different for one Bipolar disorder one or two, like do you know the difference between those two? Uh, look, 
a lot of when it comes to the medications, um, often they um, uh, it, it applies for whether you have bipolar one or bipolar two. So um, one of the major classes of medication is antipsychotics, which you mentioned earlier. Um, so when we looked at the evidence for the development of the guidelines around the safety of antipsychotics, um, the evidence, as I mentioned, is actually very limited because it's unethical to do those types of trials. Um, however, from the research studies and the research, extensive international research available, um, they don't appear to be associated with any adverse outcomes or negative outcomes. Um, however, clozapine, which is a particular type of antipsychotic is known to cross the placenta um, and have um, the evidence of its safety on breastfeeding is also very limited. So as a general rule, we would advise health professionals to not initiate clozapine um, in pregnant women. Um, the other types of uh, medications that might be used for bipolar, one or two, are a group of or a class of drugs we call it called anticonvulsants. So um, there is a known risk of birth defects of if anticonvulsants, particularly a, a drug called sodium vulparate, um, and that is if that's taken in pregnancy, uh, there's uncertainty about its safety and also the passage into the breast milk. So it's actually strongly recommended that you do we do not uh, prescribe sodium vulparate in pregnancy um, or in lactating women. Um, and the third type of drug that might be used for a condition like bipolar 1 or 2 is lithium. Uh, so lithium, um, it's very important that we monitor the woman who uh, might be required to take lithium. Um, and we try and look at... Um, the levels that they're taking and also that there is also known to be a high passage of lithium into breast milk. So in those cases, we would um, recommend avoiding the use of lithium in breastfeeding mothers. So there's so many complexities. Um, there's complexities in the different types of illnesses, the different types of medications and the safety profile of the different medications. So this is why it's very important that we start pre-planning before pregnancy um, and making sure that the health professionals have evidence to the, la the latest, uh, access to the latest evidence and that women are also empowered and an important part of that decision making and monitoring their symptoms when looking at medication. And I... I don't have bipolar, but I imagine, as you mentioned, that people who have bipolar disorder know their condition, they understand, they have to manage it. Um, my fear would be, just generally speaking, you hear how women talk about or you see how women act when they mm. fall pregnant in mm. terms of protecting their baby. They go into overdrive. I stopped eating lettuce for, you know, <laughs> for the entire pregnancy. Yep. Um, people can get very um, worried about what they put in their mouth that mm -hmm. can affect their baby. Um, I think my concern would be not, not having bipolar disorder is that women would be conflicted about continuing to take medication while they're pregnant. But it sounds to me that there's absolutely a way to manage your illness on medication mm. and safely have a baby. Yes, look, and I, I think it's also important to um, acknowledge that even for, you know, the more common conditions like depression and anxiety, not taking medication can also have a negative impact on the baby. So, for example, uh, we know if you were ex experiencing very severe anxiety, 
Um, this actually can produce cortisol in the body and that can cross the placenta and affect the growth and development of the baby. So um, similarly, if you had ongoing very high blood pressure during your pregnancy or you had diabetes in pregnancy, we need to manage those symptoms and we need to manage the levels of chemicals in our body to make it a safe environment for the baby. And the same applies to when we're talking about um, mental health conditions as well. So that pre-planning, pregnancy planning is vital. Um, drawing on the great guidelines that we have in Australia, which are now being adopted all the way, all overseas um, and internationally, because they are giving us confidence um, and not taking medication is not always the best solution. That can have its own drawbacks and risks as well. We were just speaking about bipolar disorder. What about schizophrenia? Yeah, so the same, many of the same drugs for schizophrenia are used for bipolar disorder. So particularly the antipsychotics, for example, that we discussed earlier. So again, it's knowing that safety profile of the different medications. Uh, I think it's really important to also say, I mean, we've talked and focused a lot on uh, pharmacological or medical treatments for these conditions, but this is a time when certainly um, psychological treatments can also be very important. Uh, and this can help the man and woman get more and more insight in their conditions uh, understanding different ways of managing their symptoms, being aware of early signs of relapse, um, looking at ways of reducing their stress and levels of distress, which might lead to more of a crisis or a breakdown. So the psychological treatments that go hand in hand with the pharmacological treatments are also very important because there is so much going on at this stage of life. So the more we can equip people with tools and strategies to help manage this period, the better really for everyone, including the growing and developing baby in pregnancy. I think it's really interesting um, when you talked about the psychiatrists who specialise in perinatal care because I feel like personally I wish I'd been seeing a counsellor all mm. through my pregnancies and the first year of my baby's birth. I would have been in a much better headspace. But if, the, if it's a psychiatrist who's a specialist, it feels like they can support the couple through um, both the huge changes that happen when you have a baby at the same time as helping them manage their mental health condition. It sounds amazing. Are they easy to find? <laughs> yeah, look, um, health profession, and this is a really big challenge that we've had at COPE. We get calls all the time from people saying, I'm looking for a health professional who gets this. Uh, people who might be experienced have done the screening or assessment. They're referred to their GP and their GP tells them, what did you expect? You had a baby. It's You just need to go and relax and you just need to have a good sleep. Or It is true that some health professionals... A, don't get it, and they're not really, they don't really have a specialist interest in mental health, let alone mental health in the perinatal period. And so this is something that uh, we've discussed at length with the Commonwealth Government about uh, we believe there really is a need to be able to identify health professionals who do have that expert level of training and knowledge and advice and interest in perinatal mental health. And uh, the uh, Commonwealth Government have agreed for us to work to develop now a national e-referral directory that focus, focuses specifically on identifying uh, people with expertise in perinatal mental health. So that will include psychiatrists as well as GPs who have additional training 
um, as well as psychologists and counsellors, social workers, OTs, who have that specialist training and knowledge. So as part of that process, we'll be developing, um, or we have developed, national standards. So if you say, well, I am an expert in um, perinatal anxiety, what does that mean at the moment? At the moment, it means I'm, I've got kids, so I get it. Or it could mean, no, I've actually done additional training, and I know about the safety of medications, and I know what medications. Uh, um, psychological treatments are effective. So um, that's something that we'll have ready and available towards the uh, latter part of this year. Uh, we're developing the standards. We'll go out through the colleges to um, and be assessing people to look at their expertise. And then people will be able to do a search on the website by postcode to say, I'm looking for an expert, for example, uh, say a psychologist who speaks Arabic, who bulk bills under Medicare and has expertise in antenatal anxiety. Oh, that's fabulous. So well this done. This is where technology is fantastic and where, I mean, this will absolutely underpin everything. Um, and so we didn't really encourage health professionals uh, to sign up to our health professional register so they can stay engaged and we'll be able to contact them closer to the time, but also for consumers to know that they they, um, when someone says they do have expertise, someone's looked at that and, and really know, does know that they do have a level of expertise in that area. And that is absolutely fabulous. But what do you do if you're thinking about it now? Well, if you're thinking about it now, uh, I would, if you have a, a particularly complex mental health problem, like a severe mental health problem, I would be looking, um, always be looking for a specialist um, or a GP who has uh, additional specialists around pregnancy and mental health. And, um, and you know, don't feel, don't hold back in asking about their qualifications and experience in that area. Um, so a lot of uh, health professionals now do identify themselves as having specialists. I'd be doing searching for perinatal specific training and experience. Um, and that's really where to go. And, and don't hold back in asking people about their level of skills. But also equip yourself with the information from the national guidelines. We have extensive fact sheets and resources, not only for health professionals, but also for consumers. So, you know, you can download and take that information in and ask the questions and so that you are also empowered with information about what's best for your treatment. So much greatness in everything that you just said. So what we'll do is we'll get some links from you. We'll pop it in the episode notes of this podcast, if that's all right. Fabulous. Thank goodness for COPE. My goodness. <laughs> Helping us all cope. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Nicole, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. That's Nicole Hyatt. She's the founder and executive director of COPE. As I mentioned, we'll put links to the resources she mentioned in the notes for this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. You can get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.